What did you have for breakfast this morning? Was it a piece of fruit? Maybe a juicy orange or a crisp, fresh apple? Or maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you're more of a cereal and milk kind of person. Or maybe you just prefer to make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and call it a day. Food. It's something we need perpetually. If we go without it for more than several hours, our bodies are literally in pain and our energy levels suffer. It's a part of daily life that, especially in developed countries, we tend to take for granted in the midst of the busyness of daily life. But where does this food come from? How did it make its way into our cupboards, refrigerators, pantries, and plates? It came from a store, right? And then before that, it came from a distributor. And then before that, a processor. But what about before that? It probably came from a farm. Farmers are the ultimate source of our food before it gets processed, packaged, and sold to us by someone else. So how does this food cycle work? What helps farmers actually make the food that we've come to rely on? Find out today on Stock Stories. Welcome to the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex Mason, and I am your host and stock storyteller for today. On this show, we decode the business behind the stock in order to help you make better investing decisions. And we also learn about mental models and investing principles in order to complement stock analysis. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, we're going through the entire S&P 500 company by company. Thank you so much for joining me. And that's what we're doing again today. We're going through another company in the S&P 500. We're going to look under the hood of the company and try to understand what makes it tick because as investors, that's what helps us get better by actually studying companies. Now, before we get into this week's episode, I just want to give a quick thank you. I saw a new review on Apple Podcasts pop up. Uh, James rated the Stock Stories podcast five stars, and he says, great podcast. Alex's analysis of each stock is what makes the podcast unique. The production keeps outdoing the last episode. James, thank you so much for leaving this review. It really warmed my heart to see that. And if you're out there listening and you haven't already left a review on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and do it. I really appreciate those reviews. It helps the show get more visibility and spread the message of investing to more people. So thanks in advance for that. All right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. We're talking about FMC Corporation. All right, let's talk about FMC Corporation, ticker symbol FMC. 
And actually, I also have to give a shout out to Daniel. Daniel messaged me on Instagram some time ago. It was quite a while ago. Uh, suggesting that I cover this company on the show. And Daniel, I finally got around to it. So thank you. Shout out to all my listeners in Germany. Thanks for listening to the show. And yeah, this is a listener request. And so if you think of a company that you want to appear on the show, definitely let me know. Send me a message on Instagram at Stock Storyteller, or you can email me at alex at stockstoriespodcast.com. So thank you for that. So let's talk about FMC. Well, first of all, what does that mean? What does the FMC stand for? Well, it stands for Food Machinery Corporation. So we know this company automatically has something to do with food. And actually, that FMC name got changed later to Food Machinery and Chemicals Corporation. So let's go ahead and talk about how this company got started. In the late 1800s, there was a new state in the United States of America and it was called California. Now people were traveling from the east very far distances to become a part of this new region, this new region of the country. And California was becoming known as a land of abundance. I mean, there are many reasons why, but in the beginning, it was because of its fertile soil, its climates, which meant that farmers could grow a wide variety of fruits and vegetables, not to mention grapes that would eventually help many of the regions become known for great wine. And there was a man who lived in this region, his name was John Beam, and he was a chemist from Los Gatos, California. And he wanted to solve this problem that was plaguing the region at the time. You see, even though California's soil was very rich and fertile, and lots of things could grow there, there was a problem with insects and pests that were carrying diseases throughout the orchards of California. And what would happen was they would get into the crops and they would kill off a large amount of them. And so in 1901, at the ripe old age of 82 years old, he invented a device called the magic pump. And this pump was essentially a sprayer that allowed insecticide to be spread across a wide area of crops. You could use this pump, spray the crops, the insects would die, and the crops would be preserved. You could still harvest them, and people could still eat them. So that was the beginning of this company. Now, over the next few decades, they renamed themselves to the Food, Machinery, and Chemical Corporation and started diversifying into the food manufacturing business. So they made a couple of acquisitions. One was of a company that made cans. Another was of a chemical company. And so they worked in a few adjacent industries early on to the chemical business, and they ended up becoming the world's largest food machinery manufacturer. So I found this kind of interesting because instead of just growing the food themselves like farmers, they focused on different aspects of agriculture. So number one, they were making sure that crops grew without dying from disease, which is where you get the insecticides and herbicides. And then number two, they were finding ways to package and process food once it was harvested from the earth. So they're kind of tackling it from both ends. They help the farmers protect the crop in the first place. And then once the farmers harvest the crop, they help process it for consumption. 
Now, the U.S. needed help during World War II, and so it called upon its biggest industrial companies to help manufacture anything that could help with the war. So in the 1940s, things took a big turn with this company. Instead of sticking with their traditional products, they won a contract with the U.S. Department of War in 1941 to make amphibious land vehicles. <laughs> what is that? Well, it's basically kind of like a tank, but imagine a tank without a gun turret. These were very large armored vehicles with tracks on the side, and they were amphibious in the sense that they could be operated on the ground as well as on water. So because FMC was skilled with making industrial equipment, they were able to translate that knowledge and skill set into making these vehicles for the government. Now, once the war ended, the company refocused back on the chemical business, and they were building factories in other countries, places like Argentina, Japan, and Brazil. And by the late 1970s, they became the world's second largest producer of hydrogen peroxide. So let's pause real quick on this note. What exactly is hydrogen peroxide, and like why does it matter? Well, it turns out that hydrogen peroxide plays a significant role in the way that crops are grown and in the work that farmers do to produce them. So hydrogen peroxide, it's a chemical compound. You can use it to help fight fungal bacteria and keep plants safe. And the good thing about this particular compound that's made up of two hydrogen atoms and two oxygen atoms is that it's all natural and it helps plants fight diseases without the use of any kind of additives. So it's something that has become widespread in its use for helping keep plants healthy. Now, by the 1980s, FMC moved into even more product lines, specifically other types of chemicals. And these included things like soybean herbicide, which would help keep soybeans safe and help increase their yields, or things like lithium, which is an element that is used in things like batteries. At this point, the company was pretty big and they had gotten into a lot of different business lines. They were doing chemicals, they made these machines for the government during the war, they were making food manufacturing equipment, they had their hands in a lot of different pots. And so what happened by the turn of the century in 2001 is that the company ended up splitting their businesses into two. So they restructured themselves as a machinery business and then as a chemical business. And the machinery business became a company called FMC Technologies, and it traded under the ticker symbol FTI before merging later with another company. And then they also spun off their defense machinery business into a company called United Defense, and that was later acquired by a company called BAE. So what was left? FMC, the chemical company. And that's the company that we're talking about today. So that's a brief history of the business. Now let's talk about the company as it is today. What is this company doing now that we should pay attention to as investors? Well, first of all, let's understand the main product lines that the company creates. And we know that FMC now stands for Food, Machinery, and Chemicals Corporation. But really, I mean, this name is more reflective of their legacy than their current business model. They're really a chemical company at this point. All right, so they have three business lines that are their primary business lines. Insecticides, herbicides, and fungicides. Not sure what those mean? 
yeah, I wasn't sure either until I began to research this myself a little bit more. It's been a long time since I took high school chemistry. Okay, so insecticides, these are chemicals that kill insects. So if the wrong type of insect comes into and invades a plant species, they can completely destroy the crop. So this is really important. And then the second business line is herbicides. Herbicides are chemicals that are used to kill weeds, which are also known as unwanted plants. You know, you ever see those in your yard? Some herbicides target specific species of plants, while others just kill everything. And then the last business line are fungicides. So plants are also prone to fungal infections, so they need to be protected from certain species of fungi too. And FMC also develops specific types of chemicals for this purpose. Now as far as revenue goes, nearly two-thirds of FMC's revenue comes from the insecticide segment. Now insects are a really big threat, and it makes sense when we think about this logically. They can fly and move around to feel the crops a lot quicker than a weed or a fungus can. Now about a quarter of the revenue comes from herbicides, and then 6% comes from fungicides. And then the remaining 7% of revenues, it comes from selling other miscellaneous types of products. So those are the three main business lines, insecticides, herbicides, and fungicides. Now one thing I notice about this business is its global scale. It's really big and well diversified across regions of the world. So in fact, only 22% of its revenue comes from North America. And the cool thing about this business is its revenue is split pretty evenly into the four quarters of the world. At least economically speaking, those four quarters are North America, Asia Pacific, the Europe, Middle East, and Africa area, and then Latin America. So it's split up pretty evenly amongst these regions. And the largest segment of revenue comes from Latin America at 31% of revenue. Now, interestingly, Latin America has the smallest percentage of the company's workforce at just 13% of their employees. Now, when a company like FMC wants to create a new chemical to tackle some insect or other threat to a particular crop, it can't just wave a magic wand with a few chemicals and then make something that works. That's not how the whole industry works. There's a lot of considerations here, especially considering the potential impact that a product might have to other species in the environment where the chemical might be applied. I mean, they have to think about sustainability here. If you have the wrong chemical, you can apply it to some crops and it might kill the insects that you want to kill and protect the crops momentarily. But what if you end up killing some other species? I mean, ecology is a very delicate thing and these things need to be considered when developing new types of products. So FMC goes through a long pipeline of research and development, and it kind of makes me think about the pharmaceutical industry, except that instead of creating pills for humans, we're creating chemicals for plants. It's kind of like that. Now, FMC states that, for example, if they're going to develop a new synthetic crop protection technology, that's going to take around $260 million on average. So we're talking about a lot of money. And this is going to be spread out over a 10 to 13 year period. And that's just for a single product. So in order to develop new chemicals, 
there's a ton of research and development that goes into this kind of a business. And there's a lot of time and experimentation that's done before a product is ultimately commercialized. But when that product is commercialized, people buy it and they buy a lot of it because they need to protect their crops. And if it works, it works. Let's go ahead and take a look at the financials now in order to understand how this business works from a numbers perspective. So for the sake of comparison, as we usually do on this show, we're gonna look at two main sets of data, one from the most recent fiscal year, which is 2020, as I'm recording this, and then one from several years ago. So 2013 is what we'll be looking at. Now first, let's look at the sales. How much money is coming into the business? That's always the first thing that I look at as an investor because if you don't have sales, then you don't have a business, period. So 2013, the company brought in over $3 billion and then by 2020, it was about $4.5 million. So okay, decent growth there. They're growing their revenue at around 6% or so per year. Um, not too bad. And then let's look at the income, the net income. How much profit is this business making? In 2013, they were making just shy of 300 million. And then in 2020, they were making over 550 million. So they were growing their profits by over 9% annually. And that's pretty good. I mean, especially for a very large size business in the S&P 500, that's pretty typical, maybe on the higher end of typical. And then as far as earnings per share, remember it's not just how much profit the company makes, but how much profit you and I keep as owners of the business. That's reflected in the earnings per share figure. So they went from about $2.60 to about $4.40. And so the earnings per share has grown at around 7 or 8%. All right, let's look at the balance sheet now. The company had over $100 million in cash in 2013. And then in 2020, they had almost $570 million in cash. So their cash balance increased a lot over this time period, which I love to see. And I looked at when this actually happened. They ended up raising a lot of cash during the onset of the pandemic, which makes sense. A lot of businesses around the world were doing that. So that's good to see that they have some liquidity there. And then as far as their long-term debt, it went from about $1 billion to $3 billion over this time period. So they've increased their debt load a lot also. Now, turning our attention to the cash flow statement, which tells us the actual money coming into and out of the business, we can see some other trends. So their operating cash flow, which is the amount of money that the business is actually generating, went from over $300 million to over $600 million over this time frame. So it about doubled for an approximate 10% annual growth rate over seven years. And then the investing cash flow, how much money is this business pouring back into itself to expand further? Well, this fluctuates a lot, but it's usually on the order of a couple hundred million dollars, which seems about appropriate for this scale of a business. And then as far as the financing cash flow, this is the money that they're using to raise debt, pay down debt, buy back stock, pay dividends, all of those things fall within this category called financing cash flow. And that went from being $370 million being raised within the business to $250 million going out. And the reason is that the amount of money going towards the dividends with this particular business has increased substantially over the past few years. 
So let's go ahead and talk about dividends. I mean, if we look at just this particular line item as part of the business financials, what does it look like? Well, in 2013, they were spending over $70 million in dividends. And then in 2020, that number increased to almost $230 million. So that's a very big growth in the dividends being paid out to shareholders. So I like to see that. This is a company that's really making money, and they're proving that they're making money by paying out a lot of it. Now keep in mind, <laughs> this is also a business that raised their debt load a lot, so we have to keep that in mind too. It's not just purely coming from the organic free cash flow. Now on a per share basis, their dividends per share went from 47 cents to $1.80. And I went ahead and calculated the growth rate for that. That's about a 21% annual growth rate in the dividends. So that's really great. And then their shares outstanding has been about the same over this time period. It went from 139 million shares to 132 million shares. So yeah, they bought back a little bit of stock, but not enough for us to really care as investors. Okay, so what do I think about all this? Let's kind of wrap this up and do a little bit of synthesis to bring these pieces together. FMC is a company that makes agricultural products, mainly chemicals, and they sell all over the world. They sell a lot of insecticide products. And with a chemical business, I mean, it's naturally more of a cyclical business, right? Because certain crops go in and out of favor at different times of the year in different regions of the world. So that's something we need to keep in mind as investors. Now, over this last decade or so period, FMC has been doing pretty well, and we can see that through the numbers that we were just talking about. Now, the current share price of this stock, as I'm recording this, is around $97 per share. And then the most recent annual earnings are around $4.19 or so, somewhere around there. So it's a business trading at around 23 times earnings. And I looked at historically what this business has traded at from a price to earnings ratio perspective. And traditionally it's been around 15 or 20 times earnings, but you see, it gets really tricky because as I was saying, this is a cyclical business in the agricultural sector. So the seasons of nature literally influence the seasons of profitability for a company like this. And that's important to note as a shareholder because you don't wanna buy at the height of the cycle. You wanna buy at the low of the cycle. And that becomes especially important for a business like this. Now, just as an example, here's some numbers from the past. So in the 2008 recession, earnings were $2 per share in 2008. And then in 2010, that number decreased to just $1.18. So that's pretty big. That's almost being cut in half over a period of two years. This is a business that is indeed susceptible to big swings in profits up and down, depending on the larger economic environment. Something to keep in mind. So at the end of the day, FMC is a cyclical business. And so we need to be careful as investors about when we're buying this kind of a stock. And the way I think about it is we would want to buy this kind of a stock when profits are down a lot because the stock price is probably going to come down a lot too. Not too dissimilar from the oil industry, not too dissimilar from the airline industry or other types of cyclical industries like the auto industry. 
So just be careful with a business like this. Things have been going really well for the past several years, and the company is projecting growth somewhere in the mid to upper single digit range. Um, so this is not a fast growing business either. I mean, if you have a super fast growing business, you can kind of power your way through those cycles because even though your results may be muted, you're still growing pretty fast. But this is not that kind of a company. It's a slower growing cyclical company. But the benefit is you're getting a nice dividend here that is growing pretty fast. So that's kind of the other side of the coin. If you want current income, FMC might be a good business to look at because they've been increasing their dividend pretty quickly. And let me check really quickly on the payout ratio. I mean, the dividends that they're spending, it's it has a nice payout ratio. It's under 50%. So they're spending less than 50% of their profits in any given year to pay out dividends to shareholders. So that's a nice thing as far as dividend safety is concerned. All right, that's what I got for you today on FMC Corporation. so much for listening to the Stock Stories podcast. I'm your host and stock storyteller, Alex Mason. This show was written and produced by me. Sound design done by the incredibly talented Janelle Leon. And also thanks to the lovely Selenia Caraveo for helping keeping things running smoothly behind the scenes. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. The way that this show grows is if you like it and genuinely like it so much that you tell people about it. So let's work together to help other investors learn about great businesses and buy stocks smarter. If you like this episode and want even more, maybe you want to listen to all of the stocks in the archive or you want bonus content such as episodes on stocks not in the S&P 500, consider joining Stock Stories Premium. This is where I put my absolute best investment ideas and thinking and where we explore more companies. Check it out at StockStoryTeller.com. Again, that's StockStoryTeller.com. So thanks in advance for sharing the show and considering becoming a premium subscriber. I really appreciate it. Until next time, what's your stock story?